Hi, I'm Amber and I'm a Reiki master and a shamanic practitioner. And today's podcast is on our desire to be saved or rescued in some way. It's something that I've witnessed um, a great deal in life, uh, in my own in my own inner workings, uh, on my journey of coming to know myself and coming to a place of stepping into the healer, I noticed it in myself. And also in healings with with clients, with those that I assist in some way, and with with students sometimes as well. And what continually comes up, and it's and it, and it will be what consistently will trip us up in any form of self empowerment or self healing or self mastery, will be our desire to be saved. And this scenario, whatever it is, will play out in lots of different ways. There won't be one whether we're looking to be saved by another by a relationship, by a friend, by spirit, by God, by an angel, by a spirit guide, by a teacher, by a guru, by a healer. If we're looking to be saved, we're looking to abdicate responsibility for our lives. We're we're looking for a miracle that is going to transform everything in our lives and take away the emphasis on us actually bringing change into our lives in some way. Now, part of the healing process is is that you go in, and, and I can only speak for Reiki and shamanic work here because that's what that's the focus of my work. Now how it works is you go and see a healer for a shamanic healing or a, or a Reiki healing. So you'd come to someone like me, say, and the work happens energetically. So in a shamanic healing, you might have a soul retrieval or a power retrieval. So a lot of the profound work is done on the energetic level. But it, it needs to be integrated into the physical realm. And and that involves us being actively involved in our healing. So shamanically, uh, if you go to see a healer, often if there's a soul retrieval of some kind, there will be a ritual for them, for that person then to go away and do in their own lives. And that ritual will be very much about honoring the healing that they've just experienced and honoring part of their, that soul part that has returned and integrating that into their lives. And if the ritual isn't isn't kept to, isn't honored, then the healing will, in a sense, evaporate. It will lose its potency. That's not because the healing wasn't powerful in the first place. It's because we are called on very strongly to honor that healing in the physical world, to take ownership of our own healing, to take ownership of our lives, to take ownership of the lives that we wish to have. That's one of the incredible beauties I find of shamanic healing is that if if, if we do not actively participate in the healing it will lose its efficacy and that's why ritual is such an important part of shamanic healing but it's very similar for reiki healing as well you know the reiki will bring our body back into balance and harmony and allow it to heal itself however if we're not making the changes in our lives that facilitate that healing that keep empowering us then we simply become addicted to a healer or we find that we're going for all these reiki sessions but nothing's really changing in our lives and we start to question the reiki we start to question the healer we start to question everything that we put our faith in it isn't about that it's about the fact that we have not taken ownership of our healing so wanting to be saved is very much a distraction I feel from the often painful path of owning our lives of owning all aspects of ourselves and I've said this so many times the aspects that we love and the aspects that we have difficulty with we there is this temptation to sidestep the parts of ourselves that we don't want to face because it's uncomfortable because it's painful because we don't want to go there yet again yet they don't go away 
And so asking to be saved is really asking someone else to come in and take the pain away from us, to take our difficulties away. And there is absolutely no learning or growth in that. And there is absolutely no mastery in that. And it will continually and consistently disempower us. One of the things that I most passionately believe in, as you can probably tell from this podcast already, is in empowering others, especially those who come to see me. So in that therapeutic relationship, I will always insist that those who come to see me start to see this as a co-creation, the healing process as a co-creation that we work together. The minute resistance starts to come up, the minute the work isn't happening, perhaps the rituals aren't being honoured, uh, the minute I feel or I sense that that it's all becoming about this this holy grail, this healing session that's going to transform their lives and in between sessions there's absolutely nothing happening that is healing or holistic in any way, I call it. And sometimes that brings up even more resistance and sometimes it means that that calling it and saying I'm not here to save you People don't come back and see me because what they're looking for is someone who's going to save them, a saviour. Now, there are many, I'm sure, uh, thankfully I don't associate with any, but I'm sure that there are uh, many healers and teachers out there who will like to have that title placed on them, who would like to say that they are a saviour or a guru of some kind. And they will have their, their followers who believe that they will only really find enlightenment or discover love or discover abundance if they're around these people, if they go to their workshops, if they sit in their healing circles. And it's just a way I passionately, profoundly do not work because the answers lie within us. From time to time, we're going to need to check in with someone else, to assist us, to guide us. However, the answers lie within us, and those answers will be specific to our lives. There is no blueprint that we follow for the most perfect life. It is dependent on us, our journey, our learnings, our stories, our intentions, our ancestry, the stories that we carry from our parents and our parents' parents and our parents' parents. There is no blueprint. So to go and see a teacher or a healer, to sit at the feet of a guru and and believe that they have found enlightenment, they have ascended, whatever these terms mean, and therefore they have the blueprint to this, is nonsense. There are certain basic truths about living our lives that will bring us into greater alignment with our truth and with divine energy, with source energy. And these basic truths are about being good to ourselves, being good to others, seeing our inner world, acknowledging that our inner world is reflected in our outer world, being impeccable with our word, having something that connects us every day to spirit, the divine in us and all around us, honoring our truth, having clear intentions for our lives, respecting the land that we walk on, connecting to the elements. So many of these things are basic truths. And how do we know they're basic truths? Because you will find these simple practices in almost any spiritual practice. It will almost always come back to honoring your truth, to being in your heart, to being impeccable with your word, to connecting to the land, to honoring others, to having something, some form of practice that connects you to an energy greater than you. There will always be these fundamentals, these fundamentals of a way of being and connecting, and many more so. I I am not sharing an exhaustive list with you. I'm simply sharing those that come to me in this moment. 
those are in a sense universal truths but any others as to how we find that relationship or how we find that source of flow that allows us to lead an abundant or comfortable life or how we come to uncover all we are here to do is our very own personal journey that will never in my experience be linear it will never be a to b to c to d to z it will be a to p to s to b to Ah, oh, you know, we will we will be taken all around the place as as we go on our journey. It will sometimes be very haphazard, it, and 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 again, it's an illusion that we are fed. And I'm I don't even know how we got fed this. That those that we feel have reached some place of enlightenment that are our gurus, it, it all flowed for them. You know, one day they went to a class, and then they they went and sat on a on a mountain top, and then they went and visited. Uh, a sacred site somewhere and it all it all just you know all just flowed for them and yes of course with hindsight we can look back on our stories and I say this as a healer and a teacher myself I look back on my stories and when I relay them I can say yeah you know I was very blessed and I was guided and everything did just flow but that doesn't mean that when I was in it it didn't feel like the most haphazard journey of my life the most chaotic the most painful that I wasn't being, in a sense, forced to let go of everything that I'd ever known. And that can be a very painful place to be. That I was being asked to face all aspects of myself, especially those that I had buried and didn't want to face. And yes, in the relaying of what it was like to step into the role of Reiki teacher, master, healer, shamanic practitioner, whatever we relay the the beauteous bits because that's inspirational and because that's what we remember now but there is a truth to remember that all this place this this space of coming into of knowing ourselves and then perhaps being able to assist others to define that knowledge within themselves doesn't doesn't come uh seamlessly it, it comes through a series of initiations however those initiations may manifest for us it doesn't happen that we went and stood in a field and we clapped our hands and we held hands with strangers and we hugged and sat on some sacred stones and then we were given the secrets to the universe. It very rarely happens that way. And for our great thinkers and 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 those that we may look up to as having reached a place of 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 unconditional love consciousness, it didn't happen like that for them either. There will always be a period of initiation. If we're seeking to be saved from that period of initiation, we're seeking to be saved from the very thing that is going to bring us into that consciousness of unconditional love, of self-mastery, of knowing, of perhaps the secrets of the universe that we may be seeking, whatever those secrets are for you, who knows what they are. So seeking to be saved from the very thing that is our learning negates the learning. Seeking to be saved, then, will come about as many different scenarios. Uh, the the classic is the, and so for women, the classic will be um, uh, meeting their, their knight, their knight in shining armor. I, I actually hear this phrase quite a lot uh, amongst women, the knight, the, the man that's going to come along and make life bearable, better, um but but for men it will be the same it will be the goddess who came along and transformed their lives so so prior to meeting this person our lives were lonely and barren and we did we had very little self-love and we didn't know how to really look after ourselves we weren't very good at managing our finances or taking care of our bodies 
we lived an empty life, or we weren't very creative, or life was chaotic, or we were parting too much, whatever the story may be, there's so many. And then we met this person and they literally transformed our lives. And because they loved us, we learned to love ourselves. Because they honoured and loved our bodies, we learned to love and honour our bodies also. Because they told us we were beautiful and strong and handsome and passionate and creative, we believed that we were all these things. And now our life is completely different. And it would never have been this way. We would never have come to this place of all knowing of this incredible consciousness without having met this person in our lives. Now, yes, that can be a truth and is a truth for some people. However, it is not a universal truth. Our salvation does not lie in another person. It lies in us. So if this scenario at all presses any buttons and you ticks any boxes of, of a part of you that, that may be seeking this, then awareness is the first thing that we bring to it. Asking ourselves, am I seeking to be saved? Somewhere in the recesses of my heart or my mind, am I waiting for that moment when that person will come into my life and rescue me and everything will fall into place? This loneliness in my heart will be gone. This emptiness in me will be completed. This sense of confusion that I feel about my path in life will make sense. This issue that I have with money or with boundaries or with loving my body will be resolved. If there is any part of us that feels that that is dependent on someone coming into our lives, then we are in a space of wanting to be rescued. Therefore, we can never come into that place of truly embodying uh, an unconditional love consciousness or truly embodying a sense of, of self-mastery, a sense of knowing which is the very thing that we're seeking, really. It's just that we've projected it onto another person. Similarly, we may feel that if only we had the money to go see that healer, that, that we've visited their website and it's £500 or $1,000 for a session with them, but we've heard that people's lives are transformed. They went for one healing and now they own cars and, and, and homes around the world or someone went to see this healer or went to this workshop looking for love and three weeks later they found the love of their lives and if only we could go see that healer then everything would be all right. We would we would come into that place of completion if only we could find the money for this, everything would be all right. Again, we are saying that we are wishing to be rescued. That's not to say that certain healers and teachers can't point us, guide us in the right direction. But there are no quick fixes. For some people who had those seemingly miraculous discoveries that they went to a workshop and their whole life changed, you don't know what their story is. Maybe they'd done so much work that they were on that pinnacle and it did just take one workshop and some information in that to transform their lives. Maybe their lessons are different to yours. More than likely, their life path is completely different to yours. There is no rhyme or reason for this. It's just the way it is. We cannot look to others and say, well, so-and-so went to that event, that workshop, bought that book, listened to that CD, and they found X, Y, or Z, therefore I must also. It's about knowing what your truth is, what your seeking is, what your intentions are in life. So often in a healing, the very one of the very first things I will say to someone who comes to see me for the first time is, what is it that you're seeking? And it's it's quite a strange thing because that question will often stump people, yet they've travelled from wherever they've travelled from, to come and see me, to come for a healing, to come for a healing. And so I say, what is it that you seek to heal? 
and it will often stump people. They don't know what they're seeking to heal. So how can we be seeking healing when we don't know what it is that we seek to heal or we don't know what it is what we seek to bring into our lives? Okay, maybe we don't know what we seek to heal. Maybe there's just a pain in us that's been in us for so long that we don't even know what it is anymore. However, each of us has the ability and the capability and the desire to dream, to vision, to ask for what we want in our lives. And that will be unique to you. So one person may say, well, I really want to get married and have five kids. And another person may say, I really want to travel the world and I want to feel comfortable enough to do that by myself. And another person may say, well, I've always wanted to run my own business and I'd like to create handbags and I've never been able to feel that I could do that because I don't believe in my own creativity. It will be your own journey. Putting it in someone else's hands and saying, you tell me what I need to heal. You tell me what I need to bring into my life is disowning our power and is disowning our stories and is disowning our life path. We will then never be on our life path. We'll be on someone else's life path. Therefore, we will never be in a place of true mastery and self-knowing. Now, in the scenario of being saved, I'll meet someone and they'll they'll, they'll help me f- love my body better or they'll, they'll help me love my creativity more. Really what we're... The wound at play there, I mean, there'll be many, but one of the main wounds there will be this lack of self-love, which we're looking to have filled by someone else. But see, no one else can fill that wound. No one else can heal that wound of self-love. Self-love, self-respect, self-honoring, self-knowing. These are not things that we can gather by being saved by someone else. Someone else knowing us does not mean we know ourselves. Someone else loving us does not mean that we love ourselves. Someone else honouring us or our bodies or our creativity does not mean that we do that. However, when we are in a place of balance, when we truly love and honour all parts of ourselves, then it will be an, it will be an equal resonance. Someone else may well love us, and we shall not be looking we shall not be looking to be saved by them we shall not get attached necessarily to that love in a kind of life or death way because we already love ourselves we already honor ourselves we're already in love with every aspect of ourselves and as we fall in love with ourselves we fall in love with the divine in us because we are a reflection of the divine Someone once said to me that a really good question to ask ourselves when we we are looking to be saved, you know, when we meet that person that we feel we need them in our lives because without them, we're not going to be able to find that thing that we're looking for, is to ask yourself, how is it, what is it about that person that that so inspires or excites you? What is it about that person that you love so much? And perhaps it's their humor or their zest for life or their compassion or their sensitivity and that will give you a clue as to what is missing in your life already that you can then start to bring into your life yourself that you can then start to embody yourself so perhaps you love someone because they make you laugh and every time you're around them they make you laugh and again you know that the ways of wanting to be saved are very subtle that person could become your savior you couldn't you maybe you don't you can't go a week without spending time with this person because they make you laugh they become your savior i mean this is to a this is to a lesser extent this is not 
this is not sort of the guru status, but but it but it's still placing our well-being in the hands of another. So then that becomes about, well, how can I start to bring that quality into my life more? Perhaps there's laughter missing from our lives. Sitting at the feet of someone, metaphorically, but sometimes people want to do this physically in terms of a guru or a teacher, will never bring us the enlightenment that we're seeking. It will never bring us mastery because we're sitting at the feet of someone. Now, it's important that we have, we have phases in our life where we discover and then phases where we learn. We have phases where we're the student and phases where we may end up being the teacher for others, knowingly or unknowingly, in many, many ways. We cannot get attached to one or the other. To spend our lives wishing to be at the feet of someone learning because we wish them to take us to a place of enlightenment is a complete negation of our own power. Seek your teachers and seek them out well. And I've spoken of this in in the clips that I created on YouTube on the 21 Days to Create a Daily Practice series. Seek your teachers, seek your community, your teachers that shall inspire you, that shall assist you in coming to know yourself, that may pass on sacred tools to you in coming to find a greater way to connect with spirit, the divine. Yes, our teachers are very, very important. Spend the rest of your life following a teacher. Yes, apprenticeships are important and and some apprenticeships last years, decades perhaps. However, there always comes a time when it when the student is ready to leave the teacher. And it's important to know when that time is, not too soon and not too late. Discernment. And it's important to know why we wish to why do we wish to sit at the feet of someone, of a teacher, of a guru? What do we hope that they're going to give us that we cannot find in ourselves? Because yes, they will guide us, they will hold a space for us, they will assist us. They are not here to save us. No one is our saviour. We are our own best saviours. In some indigenous communities, if you go and see a, a shaman, and uh, you have a healing, you have a soul retrieval or a power retrieval, you know, whatever, you have a healing with them and you're given a ritual to perform, a sacred ritual to do and you go away and you don't do the ritual, if you were to come back and see the shaman and say, look, the, the healing hasn't worked, one of the first questions they would most likely ask you is, well, have you done the ritual? And if you said no, they tell you to go away. Go away. You haven't done the ritual. You haven't done the work that was asked of you. We have this expectation, and I believe it's quite a sanitized, quite a westernized expectation that the space shall forever be held for us, as in we will forever be given cups of tea and patted on the back and hugged and our hands will be held as as we go on this process of wanting to be saved. However, we need to be co-creators. We need to be actively engaging in our healing journeys. Because anything else that we're looking for then becomes a parental seeking. Are we seeking to be mothered? Are we seeking to be fathered? In which case that's not the job of your healer or your teacher or a partner or a friend. And perhaps that's a wound to heal from childhood. And it's something to sit with again. What is this seeking to be saved? What is it really about? Is it about being feeling safe? Is it about, is it about feeling loved? What is it about? This seeking of saving has, uh, it's like some kind of sickness in our age and it's a a complete myth 
that some flower essence or some crystal is going to save us. It's a myth that some workshop or book is going to save us. Until we realize that we, that, that the tools that we seek already lie within us, we shall forever be lost in a world of fantasy and completely disconnected from our own inner healer. It's important we seek the healers and teachers who assist us in a co-creation. The thing to remember with this is, if you were to go and see a doctor and you had an infection and you, and you went to see your doctor, your doctor would most likely give you some medicine to take for this infection. Should you go away and then not take the medicine and the infection worsen and worsen, who would you seek to blame for this? The medicine, the doctor, or the part of you that was not doing the healing for yourself. By blame, I don't mean to attack or to, to get lost in a, in, a, in a place of self-loathing. It's simply, where would you apportion responsibility for the worsening of your condition? When the medicine is given to us, it is our duty to administer the medicine to ourselves, however it may be given to us. So a healer or a teacher may give it to us with a series of exercises that we're asked to do, uh, practices, meditative practices or rituals or changes that we're asked to bring into our lives. If we do not administer that medicine to ourselves, then we cannot go back and, and, and blame that healer, that teacher, that doctor, whatever term you want to use, that has administered the medicine to us. Because therefore we're not taking responsibility, and it's a, it's a, it's a it's a kind of um, it's a it's a it's a similar form of seeking to be saved, blame. So, in an age where we are able to access information quite readily, libraries, the internet. Uh, the land, connecting to the elements, connecting to our tree, it's important that we do our own research also. It's important that our seeking to be enlightened, our seeking to be saved, doesn't mean that we readily soak up the information that is fed to us without ever evaluating it for ourselves. Question everything. Question everything. And come to understand it through your own filters of understanding, allow it to be your truth. It is not a truth simply because it's been fed to you by someone else. Part of our journey then is to go within and to start to understand, to start to acknowledge if we are seeking to be saved. Because the acknowledgement of that will be the beginning of the healing process. So if we can understand, if we can, if we can recognize that we may be seeking to be saved, it will also show us that we may well be forever undermining those opportunities that show up to empower us and heal us because we're looking for that great teacher, guru, lover, whatever that's going to save us. It's that old story that I remember being told to me when I was very young of the drowning man in the sea. He's in a boat and his boat gets crushed by the waves and he's, lo he's lost in the sea all by himself. He's scared and he's cold and he's hungry and the water is cold and he starts praying. He asks God for help. Please help me, help me, save me. Please save me, looking up to the skies. And pretty soon a boat comes along 
uh, with with a couple of people in it and they offer to help him and no he shouts from the sea I don't need you I don't want you God said he would save me God will save me so he stays in the water and after a while and another boat comes along and this time it's bigger and it has food on board and there's warm clothes waiting for him but no he says I'm waiting for God to save me and then a helicopter turns up and and he can hear them, they've got megaphones and they shout down at him, we're here to help you, go away, he says, God will save me. So the helicopter goes away and the man's now tired and he's cold and he's losing hope and he starts crying and he's screaming up at the heavens, at the skies, I'm a good man, I gave to charity, I, I do the best that I can, I've never cheated or lied, why won't you save me, I need you to save me, why won't you show up for me? And a few minutes later, a yacht turns up, this plush, beautiful yacht. And it's, it's decked with a huge buffet of, of, of beautiful looking food on deck. And the, the captain reaches down a hand to the man and says, let me help you on deck. There's, there's warmth here, there's food, there's clothes that you can put on. We have heating. And the man says, no, God shall save me. Go away. Is that who we have become? Are you that man? Are you waiting to be saved by your ideal, your dream of what this saviour will be like? Whether it is that relationship, that, that knight, that tall dark stranger, that goddess. Whether it is that guru that you're waiting for, that teacher, that healer. Is that what you're waiting for? Because saving, redemption, salvation, coming to know ourselves... It very rarely comes in the ways that we expect. It will often come through the, through the workings of the world around us. But the helping hand is always there. And when we lose that desire to be saved, to be literally plucked out of that situation that is causing us so much pain, we start to become aware of the world around us and how it can help us. That man drowning in the sea, what if all around him there were means by which he could save himself? What if there was land close by? What if he could have fashioned a way of, of paddling himself to land by the remnants of his boat? What if he did none of that because he was waiting to be saved? That is a life left in a waiting room. But when we bring our awareness into the world around us, we come to heal ourselves. And we realise that through that self-healing, we bring greater harmony into the world. There are many, many paths to self-healing, to self-mastery, to self-knowing. From seeking a healer, to seeking a teacher, to sitting with the land. But none of these are attachments. None of these define us. These are simply ways to enter the inner pathways and the inner libraries of our own selves because our own selves are a reflection of the divine, of that very saviour that we are seeking. So until we see that we house all that we shall ever need, we shall forever be waiting, we shall forever be seeking. That is a waiting room of an existence. And I know where I would rather be. I'd rather not spend my years in a waiting room as life passed me by. I'd rather be out there, finding ways to help myself, to empower myself, asking for help when I need it, not getting attached to the source of that help. 
knowing that that helping hand is an extension of the divine because we are all a reflection of the divine. That teacher we get attached to is a reflection of the divine. That healer we feel will rescue us is a reflection of the divine. That relationship we feel is going to bring everything into our lives that is missing is a reflection of the divine. And when we come to see that in ourselves, we're better placed to see that in others. So I wish you so much power and knowledge in, in relinquishing this desire to be saved. But the first step to that is knowing, do we have a desire to be saved? And then self, you know, self-knowing is our greatest tool. And that's knowing all parts of ourselves. Even if it is a fantasy to meet that man who's going to change your life, that woman who's going to change your life. That's a, a desire to be rescued on some level. And if we can say, well, where does that come from? Does that come from a desire to have safety in my life or warmth or love? Well, these are aspects that we then start to bring into our lives for ourselves, ourselves, rather than looking to someone else to do that, because we will forever be disempowered if that's what we're doing. You can visit the website on www.sacredspacehealing.org. There's a, a blog page there called Amber's Words and um, an MP3 section and links to the YouTube channel and lots of other stuff that may call to you. And so until the next time, so it is and so it shall be.